Brother Van Gelderman, it's good to have you back with us. Thank you for your ministering to us with the cello. We're so grateful you're here and appreciate you taking time to do that for us. I'd like to dismiss Children's Church at this time. The Francisco's right over here, a special program just for our children during this special ordination service. All right. <clears throat> Still coming. <clears throat> Got your hands full tonight. <laughs> Tonight's a very special service, an honor for me as a pastor to have part in the ordination of a man whose God's hand's been obviously upon. We see the ministry he's had here at First Baptist Church in trying to reach Chinese for the Lord, and we're honored to be able to do this service tonight. My message tonight is specifically for him, but no, to him, but for everybody. So it's for everybody here, but it's a message specifically for him. And many times you're going to see me look at him specifically as I talk tonight. But again, it's for everybody, specifically to him. This past Wednesday, the pastoral staff met with Brother Wenga and his wife to have an ordination council where we question him over many things, many doctrines and practices, ask him what he would do if he, when he becomes pastor, and question him for about an hour and a half. And I was very impressed with his answers, also with, with uh, Jane's answers, and uh, had a wonderful time. And I know God's going to use him mightily. He's been called to a church in New Hampshire, is that right? And so about, uh, I don't know what it's, Four to six weeks ago, he met with me and told me he felt like God was leading him to this church. He wasn't certain. He wanted to pray. So we had a time of prayer about this. And I said, we need to make sure clearly God's called you there. I have found when you know God's called you someplace, it's much easier to stay there when you have problems. I said, if you're not certain of God's call there, when you have problems, you'll begin to question, did God really call me? He did, why am I having so many difficulties? I have found during my tenure here at First Baptist Church, when I've gone through problems, and I never questioned God's call of me being here. And so I encouraged her that. So we prayed specifically, God would make it clearer to him without any shadow of a doubt that God's calling him there. And he did it in two different ways. When he came back and told me how God answered, I said, yes, God's called you. <laughs> And the two ways is what he did uh, of a law in uh, our, our state and also a principle, a guideline, what I would call a rule in the University of South Florida. You know, he has every Friday night, he has a Bible study meeting with a group of Chinese uh, students where he has his ministry there. And these are students, most of them are in engineer program at the University of South Florida. And they have a program there called, if I use it right, at Lab Work, is that what it's called? Where they go there and uh, they come there for that program. And, uh, and University of South Florida has closed down that lab work for any future incoming Chinese students. And he told me that will take away about 90% of the students 
of his ministry. That's some reason they made that. Any of uh, the Chinese students are presently in that. They're grandfathered in. But any future students will not have lab work in the engineering program anymore. Also, there's a law passed in our state that any incoming Chinese cannot purchase a house in the state of Florida. And so that's been made, I don't know if it was by our governor, by what it was, but that's a law now in our, in our state, in which will also uh, inhibit a lot of Chinese coming to here to, to establish a home here in education. So God made it quite clear that his ministry would be brought to an end there to the Chinese by the, the rules. And so uh, God made it clear to him. So he knows that a shadow of a doubt, God's called him New Hampshire. And so uh, I, I, I agree with his decision. And we will miss you tremendously. We have learned to love you and, and appreciate your ministry here. It's obviously God's hand's been upon y'all. I can see your ministry to the Chinese and many of them here tonight. There's been times when there's been 40 or 50 of them here and, and from the ministry you had there. And you've discipled many of them. You've led many into Christ. <clears throat> and, and you've had a Sunday school class here for many years. And so we have definitely see God's hand upon you and God's call upon you. So tonight I want to deliver a charge, uh, speak to you about a charge that Paul made to Timothy. At the close of the message, Pastor Rick's going to come and give a charge to you tonight. So if you have your Bibles, turn again to 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4. And here's the Apostle Paul's charge to a young preacher named Timothy. I'd like to look at this with you tonight. First of all, we're going to see what we call the command. In your bulletin tonight, there's an insert. Hope you take that out and fill out the uh, blanks there. We'll look at, first of all, the command. He says in verse 1, this is a book written by the Apostle Paul on the inspiration of the Spirit of God to Timothy, this young preacher. And he says in verse 1, I charge thee therefore... Before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Notice it says, I charge thee, therefore. The word charge there can be also referred to as a command. The word is the idea of issuing a forceful order or directive. So this is, in a sense, a command, a forceful order directive that Paul was given to young Timothy as a preacher. I charge thee. And notice the witnesses of this charge. There were two of them mentioned here that witnessed this charge that Tim, Paul made to Timothy. The witness of Paul's co command, first of all, is God the Father. It's God the Father. So I charge thee therefore before who? Before God, referring of the Trinity, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. God the Father and also God the Son. These two individuals of heaven were witnesses of this charge. So what he's saying here, Timothy can never come back and say, I didn't know I was supposed to do this. I didn't know that I was supposed to do that. And said, you have two people that witnessed the charge. It was God himself, the Father, and the Son both witnessed the charge, the command that Paul gave to this young Timothy. Now notice the reasons for Paul's charge or Paul's command. First of all, he talks about, he said, judgment's coming. Judgment's coming, he says that in verse 1. Again, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall what? Judge the quick and the dead. Now, who are the, first of all, who will be the judge? 
Of course, is there the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge them? He's the judge. In fact, you look on the screen there in John 5, 24. It said, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. So of the Godhead, of those two witnesses, the one that was going to judge this world is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He's the, the judge. And now who will be judged? Now, why? The reason for God's, uh, Paul's command, judgment's coming. Jesus Christ will be the judge. Who will be judged? He said, who would judge the quick and the dead. Who's the quick and the dead? Someone said, that's someone trying to cross 41 in the busy time of traffic. Either you're quick or you're dead. But the word quick refers to those who are alive. The dead refers to those who are dead. Both living and those who have died, he one day will stand before God and be judged. Both the quick, the living, and the dead. This is referring not any specific judgment, but judgment in a general sense. And the next question is, when will this judgment occur? Again, who will be the judge? The Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who will be judged? Both the living and the dead. When would judgment occur? He goes on to say, at his appearing and his what? His kingdom. So Christ will ultimately judge all people in three distinct settings. I hope you write them down. Christ will ultimately judge all people in three distinct settings. The first one, a very common judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. That judgment is for believers, specifically the church, the body of Christ. All those who trust Christ between the, uh, uh, I'm not blank. Pentecost, <laughs> thank you. Between Pentecost and the rapture, that group of believers is called the church and the body of Christ. They are the ones going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and, and the, called the judge seat of Christ right after the rapture. So that means you and I will be there. If you know Christ as Savior, when the rapture occurs, we're taken to heaven. And while the tribulation is occurring on the earth, you and I will stand before what is called the judgment seat of Christ. Number two, the second judgment is called the judgment of nations. You can read about that in Matthew chapter 25, in which believers referred to as sheep will be separated from the unbelievers who are called the goats. And the purpose of this is who will be allowed to enter the millennial kingdom. This is right after the tribulation period, right before the millennium, is what is called the judgment of nations. The third judgment, referring to when he at his appearing in his kingdom, is one called the great white throne judgment. This is after the tribulation. This is after the thousand-year millennium. It's called the Great White Throne Judgment. This is the judgment of unbelievers of all time. Unbelievers of all time. These are the three distinct judgment settings in which the Lord Jesus Christ would judge the quick and the dead. So the command was made uh, to Timothy. The witnesses were God the Father, God the Son. The reason, judgment's coming, and one day they... Was everyone will stand before him. Next, the content. The content of his command, we see in verse 2 through 5. There's a twofold content, content, excuse me. 
The first one is mentioned right in verse 2. The first three words is what? Preach the word. That is the first content of his command, to preach the word. And so when should a preacher preach the word? When should Wanga preach the word? Notice what it says here. Preach the word, be instant, in season, and what? Out of season. What does that mean? In other words, the faithful preacher must proclaim the word when it's popular, when it's unpopular, when it's convenient, when it's inconvenient, when it would be accepted by others or when it would be rejected by others. Wanka, you are to preach the word. Uh, interesting, what to preach? God's word. So many preachers today preach stories. They preach the news. They preach biographies but many churches don't preach the word. I think one of the greatest compliments I ever received, and it was considered a cut, not a compliment, a criticism, is this person visited our church several times, and they quit coming, and somebody went and visited them and says, I noticed you visited a while, and you quit coming. I said, why do you quit coming? And they said, well, the reason why the pastor, all he preaches is the Bible. And, and uh, he doesn't ever talk about news, doesn't talk about any uh, stories or any uh, other things. All he preaches is the Bible. Now, uh, my friend, that's exactly what God told you to do. Preach one. Now, you may use some news for, as illustration or something, but you're responsible to preach the word. And when, when it's popular, when it's unpopular. When people, when it's convenient, inconvenient, when people are accepted, and when you feel like they're rejected, you preach the word. The dictates of popular culture and the acceptance or rejection of men must never alter the preaching committed to God's word. So it doesn't matter what people think about it, whether they're going to accept you or reject you, it should never alter your position to preach the word of God. That's when. Now what? What are you to preach? Of course, it's the word. Read on in verse 2 there. Preach the word. Instant in season, out of season. Notice the next few words. It says reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering doctrine. So it talks about the substance of your preaching, Wenga. First of all, it should include letter A, correction. That's the word reproof. Reproof, correction. There's a time that you need to correct people and what they're doing, the way they're living. You may have to do this individually. You may have to do it corporately. Uh, in your church, you may find things people are doing that they should not be doing. You may be doing as a whole. It may be a time you need to correct them, and you do it with the Word of God. The next substance of your preaching is reprimand. It's talking about rebuke. There may be times you may need to reprimand a believer for doing something they should not be doing. I do not necessarily, this should necessarily be done before the whole church. It may be necessary if the whole church is doing something wrong. You may have to reprimand them, but always do it in love. Speak the truth in love. People can swallow tough things if they know you love them. Uh, love your people. One thing they should never question about you is my pastor loves me. Uh, I'm so grateful that when you ever have to talk about something they're doing wrong, if you do it in love and do it because, and they know you love them, they'll accept it. And you love your people. So there's correction, there's reprimand. Number three, or letter C, the third substance is encouragement, is the word exhort, exhortation. 
you know, patients should also involve encouraging them. We all need encouragement at times to encourage them to keep doing what's right. Correct them when they do wrong, reprimand them when they need it, encourage them to keep on doing right. And also the fourth one is sound biblical teaching, talking about doctrine. Do it with doctrine, sound biblical teaching. And what I've seen, at least in your Sunday school class, you have done this very clearly. You teach the Word of God, and I commend you for that. But notice something you should do it with. It goes on to say that all this should be done with patience. It says, with all long-suffering. The one thing you need to do, Wanga, is be patient with people. Many of them will not change as fast as you want them to change. <laughs> Many of them will not do what you want them to do. But if you love them, be patient with them. It goes a long ways. And it said, do all this. Do the correction, reprimand, the encouragement, and sound biblical teaching. Do it with long suffering. Do it with patience. Be patient with others as the Lord has been patient with you. And we've all know, we've all experienced his patience with us. Now, why? Now, when? In season, out of season. What? Correction, reprimand, encouragement, sound teaching. Now, why? Why should you do this? He gives us three reasons why. Again, in, this time in verse 3. Paul said to Timothy, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. So the first reason why is people will become intolerant of the preaching of God's word. People will become intolerant. How many believe we're living in those days? People don't want to tolerate truth. They don't want to tolerate God's word. And we're presently living that time, so God says, preach it anyway. No matter how they accept and reject it, preach the word. People will become intolerant of preaching God's word. That's one reason why. The next reason why is letter B is people after their sinful desires will want preaching that would tickle their ears. It goes on to say in verse 3, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. It's not the teacher doesn't have an itching ears, the listener does. Itching ears means tickle their ears. People do not want to hear what they need to hear. They want to hear what they want to hear. Pastor, don't tell me what I need. Tell me what I want. I want you to tickle my ears. Make me feel good about my lifestyle. And sometimes that's not what the Lord has for them. So why should we do this? Because people will not tolerate God's word. People after their own sinful lust will want preaching that will tickle their ears. And verse 4, the third reason why People will reject the truth. People will reject the truth. For they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. So the reason why Paul told Timothy to preach the word, because there's coming a time people will not tolerate it. Now, people say, well, if they don't want it, I won't give it to them. No, you give it to them anyway. You preach the word, even they don't want to tolerate it. They may not want you to tell them what they need to hear. They want you to tickle their ears, but preach the word. They may reject what you have to say, but preach the word. But I want you to notice in verse 4. Everybody look at verse 4. Notice there's two turnings here. In verse 4, it says, They and they, those who reject the truth, they shall turn away their ears from the truth. So this is the individual, he himself, turning him away from truth. But read on. And it says, and shall be turned unto fables. 
So the first turning is the individual who doesn't want to hear the Bible, and he chooses to turn his ear from the truth. But it goes to say there shall be a second turning. And this, I believe, is a spiritual turning. Listen to me carefully, please. Have you ever heard preaching you didn't like? You ever read something in the Bible you didn't like what it said? How did you respond to it? Did you accept it anyway? It is dangerous that when you hear something or read something from God's word and you don't like it, you turn from it. It said, you shall turn your ears from the truth and you shall be turned unto fables. It has the idea of spiritual demonic influence coming out. If you turn your ears from the truth, Satan will send someone to turn you unto fables. That's very careful. But listen to it carefully. There are many times believers see something in the Bible, I don't like it. I can give you a man, by the way, he's no longer living. I won't mention his name. He used to come to our church every Sunday until I preached a message on the topic of hell. He didn't like that. He didn't like what the Bible said about hell. And he stopped coming. And the next thing I heard and seen, he started attending a church called uh, Christian Science who does not believe in hell. So he turned his ears away from the truth and he was turned unto fables. So it's very dangerous when God's people turn their ears from something the Bible says. Because when you do that, you open yourself up to demonic influence and it turns you unto lies. They shall turn their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Listen carefully, please. This is what a commentary said, which I liked and I wrote it down. I want to read it to you. It said, many church attenders do not want Bible teaching. Instead, they want religious entertainment from Christian performers who will tickle their ears. People have a love for novelty in churches today. Too often, the person who simply opens the Bible and teaches it is ignored, while the shallow religious entertainer becomes a celebrity. Scripture indicates that itching ears soon become deaf ears as people turn away from the truth and, uh, and believe man-made lies. That's the reason so many of these churches today become entertainment centers. People don't want to hear the truth. Just tell me what I want to hear, entertain me. And some of the largest churches in America are now entertainment churches and do not hear much of God's word. So the first content of the preaching to Timothy and to you, Wanga, is to preach the word. The second one is fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. Look in verse 5. And we're going to focus on the latter part, but I'll read the whole verse. Verse 5. Is Timothy, Paul said to Timothy, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. And he says, Make full proof of thy ministry. That means fulfill thy ministry. God has obviously called you to a pastor a church. When you go there, fulfill your ministry. We'll talk about how to do that in just a moment. Will you get discouraged? Yes. Will you ever want to quit? Yes. Will you want to throw in the towel? Yes. Will people always love you? No. Will people talk bad about you? Yes. Will they talk bad about your wife? Yes, they will. But the Bible says fulfill your ministry. Anything that happens to you when you go there, God knew it about ahead of time. God is omniscient. Though it may surprise you, it will not surprise God. He knows what's going to happen before you get there. And yet he says, fulfill your ministry. Three requirements, Wenga, to fulfill your ministry. Number one is the word watch. 
the word watch. But watch thou in all things. The Bible says, and the verse will be on the screen, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men. Colossians 4, 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Now, the question is, what are we to watch? We're told there to watch in all things. Hold your finger right here, if you would please. Go to Acts chapter 20, please. Acts chapter 20. Here's the Apostle Paul speaking to the elders of many churches. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Acts 20, 28. And look for the word watch here. We're told to watch down all things. What are we to watch for? We're going to see here. Acts 20, 28. He says here to these elders, the pastors, he said, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Verse 29. For I know this, that after my departing, shall grievous wolves enter among you, not sparing the flock. Verse 30, also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples unto them. But verse 31, therefore what? Watch. And remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. So he tells us to watch out for two things. In verse 29, watch for people from the outside coming in, trying to teach false doctrine, not sparing the flock. said, after my departing shall grievous wolves enter among you, not sparing the flock. So there'll be people from the outside wanting to come to join your body, uh, your church, become part of the fellowship here, and want to come in to bring in false doctrine, to bring in things to not teach us contrary to the Bible. And the Bible, God says, watch for them. It's going to come, it's going to happen. Satan will do that. But not only from the outside will they come in, verse 30, also from your own self shall men arise. People from, from within the ministry, people that are part of the church already there, maybe from the influence of some radio preacher, some other person, will begin to teach things that are not true. So who's responsible for the doctrinal integrity of the church that you're at? Go look in the mirror and you'll see him. His name is Wayne Gaway. You're responsible. And God says you're to watch. Watch out for people who come from the outside, not sparing the flock. Watch about people from in there, want to draw away disciples and follow after them. Therefore, watch and remember. Paul said, I've t t warned you this over three years, night and day with tears. So that's what you're to watch. Next, we're talking about how to fulfill your ministry. First of all, to watch. The second one is endure. Watch thou in all things, back in the book of Timothy. Watch thou in all things, it says, endure. By the way, what are you to endure? It says endure what? Afflictions. Pastor, will I have afflictions if I'm in the center of God's will? Will I have affliction when I'm doing what God wants me to do? Will I have affliction when I'm preaching God's word? Count on it. <laughs> it will happen. The word afflictions means troubles. It means hardships. It means difficulties. Uh, Wanga. I'm sure you know this already. 
the ministry is full of hardships. The ministry is full of difficulties. 2 Timothy 2, verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Listen to me carefully, Wenga. People are going to talk bad about you behind your back. People are going to talk bad about your wife. And he come to you. Should you give up and throw in the towel? Endure hardness. Satan will use difficult times, hard times, to discourage you. Endure hardness. And if there's something that will happen to you in the ministry that calls you to quit, count on it happening. There was a story I used in my Sunday school class. There was this young couple that come to our church. They came to church one Sunday, and they really loved our church here, and they come for, faithfully for several years, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, came every Sunday. All of a sudden, they stopped. And so as a pastor, I went to the house and followed up on them and went and visited them, and they invited me in. And uh, I said, you know, uh, I, I noticed you quite quick coming to church. I said, is something wrong? Did I offend you? What would happen? And they looked at each other. And the uh, wife looked at her husband. Husband looked at his wife. And the husband said, "Why don't you tell him, Pastor? Why don't you tell the pastor?" And she and she said, "Okay, Pastor. The reason I quit. I, last time I come to church, I walked up on the front porch, and another lady in the church greeted me and says, "My my, aren't we getting fat?" Now that was rude, inappropriate, and wrong. And by the way, uh, she had been putting on weight. Therefore, she was very sensitive about this. But somebody called her attention. My, my, are we getting fat? And she quit coming. Now, is that a reason to quit coming to church? By no means. Listen to me, ladies. If someone calling you fat to keep you from coming to church, count on it. It's going to happen. Satan knows that. Whatever it is that you have about you physically that you may not be comfortable with, and someone draws your attention, if that would keep you coming to church, count on happening. So whatever it is that would keep you from preaching, whatever it is even to your wife, count on happening. Satan would do that. It may hurt you when someone talks bad about you, but I find it will hurt you more when someone talks bad about her. And that will happen. And uh, there may be times she may want to quit. My friend, you may have the courage you're not going to quit. <laughs> There's many times my wife wanted to quit, and she'll tell you that. <laughs> but I, I determined a long time ago that God called me here, and unless God calls me out, I'm not going to quit. And so that's what we need to do. Unless God makes it abundantly clear that you are to leave, do not leave, no matter what happens. So you are to watch, you are to endure, and number three is the word work. It says, do the work. The ministry is work, work, Wenga. There's no room for laziness. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, how many know that verse? 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Can you quote it with me? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So the Ministry is work. So what kind of work are you to be doing? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Your primary work, write it down, is to 
feed the sheep. As a pastor, your primary work is to feed the sheep. That's your primary responsibility. We saw that already back there in the book of Acts, chapter 20, when Paul was speaking to the, uh, the elders of Ephesus. He said in Acts 20, 28, Take ye therefore unto yourselves to all the flock on which the Holy Ghost made you overseers to feed the church of God. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, it says, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not by filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Here's a question. Test your Bible knowledge. Remember when after Christ was crucified and was buried, in fact, he rose from the dead, there was a certain apostle that forsook the ministry. He forsook the ministry and went back, I'll give you a hint, went back fishing. And the Lord saw them out there fishing, and he was on the shore there, and he started cooking some fish. And they came there, and somebody in the boat jumped out because they saw the Lord there. Who was that? It was Peter. Peter had denied the Lord, even knew the Lord, three times. And the Lord confronts him three times. And he asked him, says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yea, Lord, thou knowest I love you. What did he say? Feed my sheep. <laughs> He asked him three times. And the third time, Peter's getting kind of fed. Lord, you know I love you. He said, well, feed my sheep. Wenga, that be your primary responsibility as a pastor. You have other responsibilities, but don't neglect the primary one, feeding the sheep. But also, but you must not neglect reaching the lost. You must not re re neglect re reaching the lost. Because he says, do the work of and what? Evangelist. What's the work of evangelist? Giving the gospel out. So I encourage you, as you uh, seen your pastor do at First Baptist Church, give the gospel. My primary responsibility to this church is to feed the people. The majority of my message is to God's people. But I always try to include the what? The gospel. I always try to include the plan of salvation. So do the work of an evangelist. That's give the gospel. That's not your primary responsibility, but your primary responsibility is to feed the sheep, but always remember to give the gospel. Wenga, we love you and love your wife, and we will miss you. The pastor is going to come at this time and give a charge. After the charge, we're going to have a lay on hands. Listen carefully, please, people. During the laying on hands, we encourage anyone else here that's an ordained minister to join us, if you feel so led to, have part in this. So Patrick's going to come this time and give a charge, and after that, we'll have the laying on hands. Winga, we're here because we believe that God has called you to be a minister of Jesus Christ, and this church has recognized your call, and by prayer and laying on hands, it is commending you to the ministry of being a pastor. It's my privilege to charge you to give earnest heed to God's holy word. In the books of First and Second Timothy, uh, Paul instructed his son in the faith, Timothy, and he instructed him in the ministry. Second Timothy 4, 1 and 2. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, 
be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Second Timothy 4, 5. Watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 1 Timothy 4.12, be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25, The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 3 and 4, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who have chosen him to be a soldier. Winga, preach the word, not the opinions and traditions of men, not pleasant fables or sensational stories that excite the emotions. Stand in God's presence and preach the word to a dying world. You need to speak. Speak with sincerity and deep earnestness as a voice from God unfolding the scriptures. You need to warn. Warn those to whom you preach that Christ is coming soon in power and great glory. You need to expound. Expound the truth so plainly that no sinner who hears it could fail to discern the importance of obeying God's commands. You need to remember. Remember that you are a messenger of God, commissioned by Him to do a work whose influence will endure for eternity. You need to point. Point sinners, both with your words and life, straight to the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You need to seek to speak. Seek to speak with the power and authority that comes only from God. Preaching that is so earnest, so fervent, so persuasive that it leads sinners to take refuge in Christ. Tonight, you are being dedicated to God by prayer and the laying on of hands. This is a public recognition of God's call upon your life and approval of the body of Christ known as First Baptist Church. There is no more important task to which a man has ever been called. There's an oft-repeated saying, but it's so true. When God calls you to preach, don't stoop to be the president. Lastly, Winga, when you have fulfilled your mission of preaching the glorious gospel of Christ, may you joyfully echo the words of Paul. I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Okay, Wing, if you'd come down here at the altar, please. We would ask anyone who is an ordained minister, if you'd like to join us for this time, we're going to have lay on hands and pray for him. If you would come on, come forward, please. We will surround him and one by one pray for him. Let me explain to you what this is. The lay on hands is not any kind of endowment of power. It's not pa passing some kind of power from us upon him. It's a public recognition of this church upon this man that God's called him. And we see that in his life. 
And so we acknowledge that tonight by laying on hands, and each of these gentlemen are going to pray for him. I ask Pastor Rick if he would begin with prayer, then we'll go right around the corner, then I'll close at the end there. Father, we thank you so much for the ways and their desire to serve you in this ministry. Father, we pray that you give them many souls to your account. Father, we pray that you would uh, protect them, uh, guide them, Lord, uh, help, help them see clearly each day what you'd have them to do. Uh, Father, we are, are so grateful that they stand for a clear gospel message and realize the importance of giving the, the, that message out. Thank you. When we ask again, many, many souls come to their account through the faithful preaching of God's word. Father, we uh, just pray that you would uh, help them, encourage their heart each day as the world would try to discourage them and try to get them to quit, as Pastor said tonight. But Father, help them realize that, that no labor is in vain, that, Father, that they will reap what they sow. Father, we pray that you build in their life on this foundation of Christ gold, silver, and precious stones to their account. And Father, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Dear Lord, we thank you for the ministry, the, the tried and true ministry that Wenga and Jane have had here at First Baptist Church, the many souls that have come to know you through their ministry, through their fellowship, and Lord, so many within their ministry that have grown in their faith and have uh, become faithful to your word and faithful to uh, the work. Lord, we pray that you would continue the ministry that they started here. And now, Father, as you're uh, calling him to a new work, to be the shepherd, we pray, Father, that you would bless this church in New Hampshire. We pray, Father, that you would bless his leadership, give him strength, give him the grace of God that will sustain his every need. And we pray, Father, for Jane, that she would be the helpmeet that you've intended for her to be. We thank you, Father, for uh, Paul and for Esther, their children that support them in ministry, and pray, Father, that your richest blessing upon their family as we send them out as ambassadors for you. In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we thank you for opening a door in New Hampshire, and we ask your blessing as well on Lee as he takes over the ministry here. We'd ask that this man would be known all around New Hampshire as a man who preaches the word and loves his people. Heavenly Father, as we continue, we know that all power comes from you. And we pray that as he has listened to the messages, as he has listened to the prayers of the people, not just here, but those that have been in his class, those that have said that they would pray for him. Lord, we just pray that the power that comes from you would give him the power to reach out, to reach souls, to do the work that's there in New Hampshire, and that you would enable him in all of these endeavors to be the man that you want him to be and giving him the power to do exactly that. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Our Father, I come to you and with mixed emotions, with excitement to see, God, your call upon him to a church in New Hampshire, to pastor the people there. I pray, Father, your blessing upon that. But also come with somewhat sadness. We're going to lose someone very special to us. 
that had a successful ministry at First Baptist Church. But Father, it's obvious that you have called him. So Father, now I pray that he be a spirit-filled pastor. We know the Spirit of God has indwelled him. I pray that he, you now will control him. Lord, this be obvious in his preaching and his ministry. And Lord, that also you put a hedge of protection about him that you put about Job, that you, Satan cannot touch him. I pray for his wife, too, that she would be the support that she has been, continue to be, Wanga. You put a hedge about her, as a, a too, in this ministry, that you might use them both in a mighty way. Father, we're looking forward to hearing what you're going to do there for New Hampshire because of this man. So, Father, we commit him to you, seeing your hand upon him, expecting great things to happen there because of who you are and what you can do to a person who's completely sold out to you. So, Father, use him mightily. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.